So I'd like to read to you from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I want to preface this by uh, talking a little bit about about what's been happening in the 12th chapter and the 13th chapter of the, of, of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is um, spending time um, in and around Jerusalem. And so there's a story about he see, there's, they're outside of the temple and he sees, he sees the woman come and give her two coins. And she puts them into the, into the offering and he notes that she gave all that she had, that that all the others were giving out of their abundance, but she gave everything that she had. Um, they're talking, they're sort of ogling the temple because the temple was this amazing structure. And, and of course, for the Jewish people, this was, this was God's home. That's where God resided, was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. So, so if, you were, if you were close to the temple, then you were close to the very home of God. And so it was a very special place, and, and they were... And they were talking about how this amazing temple. And Jesus says, well, it's going to get destroyed. It's going to be taken away. And he begins to talk about um, then his, his death. And, and so, of course, they're very confused. But he, he moves into this sort of what we might call an eschatological or an end times, an apocalyptic kind of uh, kind of talk here in this, in this. and it's, it's, it's kind of confusing. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit today, but just know that it's a, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit confusing just because we're not used to that kind of, kind of talk, though it's very much in the Scripture. If you go Old Testament into the New Testament, there's a, there's a lot of talk about the coming day of the Lord. You know, a day of judgment, a day of righteousness, all of these things. So you hear this all throughout the Scriptures. So listen to this from Mark chapter 13. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, And from the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. From the fig tree you learn its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. At the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about this day or hour, no one knows... Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly." And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. It was Christmas Eve, and it was a blizzard. We couldn't see across the little driveway that separated our kitchen from the pump house that was right across the driveway there. And it was Christmas Eve, and I was probably, I don't know, maybe a young 
child. I wasn't. I know I wasn't in middle school yet. This is one of the few memories of Christmas that I that I remember very distinctly because it involves Cookie Monster. <laughs> and d- down the road, a half a mile where I grew up was 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 a what then I would have said was an elderly couple. Who knows how old they were? They were just old to me. Um, and and they had no children. And so they always came for Christmas Eve dinner with us and stayed, and, and my family opened presents on, on, on Christmas Eve. Well, it was a blizzard. And you think half a mile is nothing. Well, my dad had been gone for hours. He'd taken the tractor and he was clearing the road to go get them and then to bring them back. And I, like today, was a very patient child. <laughs> and so as the time went on and as, you know, it felt like it was getting very late into the night, I just wanted to open presents. That's all I wanted to do. I just, just wanted to open presents. You know, and here we are, you know, my, my sister and brother are still probably in high school at that time. They're home. My mom's there. Um, I, I, I'm, I think maybe even our grandparents were there. I, that, that is part of the memory I don't exactly have. But, you know, there's cookies out everywhere. I can smell. We, had, we always had oyster stew, so I can smell the oyster stew that's cooking. You know, there's crackers. There's cheese balls. Everybody know cheese balls? Yeah. I mean, these are just memories of... Christmas time, but I wanted to open a present. And so finally I wore my mom down. And there was a box, and it was about this big. And so I began to, to open it up. And inside was a little furry monster, a little hand puppet of Cookie Monster. And he had like ping pong balls for eyes. And so they sort of Googled around, you know. And, and man, that was like the best present. Because now I had something to play with while we were waiting. And pretty soon, the tractor lights came up over the little hill. And here came the neighbors with my dad and all stuffed into the cab of the tractor. And got out and we, we had our celebration. When I think about Christmas and I think about all the things that are going on in our world and I think about how far away my family is from home because we no longer own that house. The family farm was sold in 2008. There'll never be another Christmas in that home for, with our family. I don't know. I, it's, it's had to have been 20 plus years since, since my whole family was together on a Christmas Eve in, in any home. And so those memories that are, are really what, what I have left about that sort of thing. And so when I'm longing for some sort of nostalgic thing, that's the, that's the memory I go to. That's the memory I go to, and, and, there, and there, are times, there are times when I really long for what I think of as, like, that just felt so simple, right? Everybody's in their place, everybody seems to be healthy and well, at least to my children's mind. 
And so we, I, know, I know that we often long for home in that way, especially when we feel like we're displaced from it, when maybe things aren't going so well or going our way or, or maybe we're in between things or maybe somebody's sick or you know, all of those things that happen in our lives. Well, in this first scripture that, that Katie read from Isaiah, the Israelites are in exile. And if you remember Israelites, it's, it's all about homeland for them. Not the, not the show, but the promised land. It's all about the promised land. They, you know, they were slaves in Egypt. They wandered for 40 years because they screwed up and God needed to teach them maybe a little bit of a lesson. They wandered for 40 years. They finally get to the promised land. Now they're in the promised land. And they just get, I mean, this, their story is every time they sort of rise up, they just get smashed down. Some, some other larger power comes in and shuttles them out of there and, and exiles them. And this happens a number of times in the, in the life of, of the Israelites. But they're in exile and, and for some time. And so can you imagine what their memories are, especially then a history and a culture where it's all about that exodus. It's all about that homecoming into the promised land. It's all about that. And so in the midst of that, when things aren't going well, when you're not where you want to be, it often feels like God is gone, not paying attention God is off there, out there, not present in the world. And so I love this. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. That you would tear open the heavens and come down. Come make your home among us again. Show us who you are like you did in ages past. Come again and make a home. Take us back home to that place we are longing for so much. It's really in some ways like a lament. And Isaiah basically reads a case against the Israelites because he says, well, probably God's, God's gone because we're not being faithful. We're not doing the things that we need to do. We've for, we have forgotten God. That's why God feels far off in there. And you've, and you've got to understand, their, their cosmology, their way of understanding the world was sort of this three-tier universe. You know, you, you've got the heavens where God resides. And then you, have, you sort of have the earthly realm. And then you've got, you've got whatever is under the earth, depending on what they wanted to call that. And then you have pillars that support the earth. And so literally... Um, when, when, when it rained, they believed that it was like God opens a window in the heavens and just lets the water out. So it's a very, it feels very simple. But that's where they believe God lived. That's where, and so to tear open the heavens and come down. They're longing for home. And what's awesome about this scripture passage, too, is if, if you believed in the Greek or the Roman gods, you did not want Zeus to tear open the heavens and come down. Because Zeus was going to be firing lightning bolts at you. So this is a, this is a very intimate, a very intimate relationship that the Israelites have with the God of creation, with the one who could tear open the heavens and come down. 
And so they're longing, they're longing for home. Now fast forward and Jesus is with his disciples and with his followers and they're very faithful Jewish people and they are back in the homeland, though it's occupied by the Romans now. They might be home, but it's not theirs, really. They don't have control over it, even though the temple operates and all this sort of thing. There's all this political intrigue and Jesus at one point, you know, flips over the the money changers tables and the temples and, you know, all, all this sort of thing. And and Jesus starts talking about, well, the temple's going to go away. And I'm sure that the disciples are like, what are you talking about? That's the home of God. And I think they're imagining then the loss of their home, their spiritual home, this physical home for God. And Jesus then talks about how then the Son of Man will come down at that time when it's time to put everything back to rights, when the day of judgment comes, when everything is put back together, that, that God will come down and put everything together. How many times have you wished for that magic bullet, for that gift from heaven? For someone, for something, just to come down and, and wave the magic wand and have it make it all right. Or to take whatever situation is going on and to make it feel like home again. To make it feel like it was simple again. Like it was real again. Like it wasn't broken again. There's just this deep longing within us because we, there's something about us. We know, we know that there is something else that's supposed to be going on in our world. We know that the way our relationships are are not the way they're supposed to be. We know that our economic systems hurt people and we don't know how to fix them. We know that there are people who are being ostracized and pushed out of their homes all around the world because of famine and because of war and because of ethnic cleansing, because of hurricanes, because of all kinds of things. People are getting moved out, away from homes, and we long for home. For God to come down. But here's the really awesome thing. When you begin to listen to the, the Scripture... When you begin to listen to the scripture, you realize if you read Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and you read Revelation 21 and 2, you realize that God's whole plan, God's, the, whole, the whole thing hinges on God making God's home with God's people. Because in the beginning, as that poem and poetry goes, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. In the cool of the evening. And in Revelation 21 and 22, in this amazing vision that, that John of Patmos has, the new heaven and the new earth come right out of the old heaven and the old earth. We aren't transported up to heaven where God is. 
the new Jerusalem is on earth. And God makes God's home among the people. Jesus said, the kingdom, God's home, God's kingdom is among you. It's already here. God is already making God's home among the people. We just don't see it. But we catch glimpses because it's not in its fullness yet. And so our longing is a longing to see that more and more and to see that be completed. And our call then is to not get lost in the lament and the longing, even though those things are very real and we have, we have such a privilege and an opportunity to, to, to have a God that we can lament to, that we can argue with, that we can, that we can have a discussion with about how things are going. But we, cannot get, we don't have to get stuck in that lament and that longing and just be thinking, okay, God, when, when are you going to show up? God has made God's home among God's people. God's spirit is in each one of us. And that longing for home is what tells us that God's Spirit is in us. So may you, as you think about what it means to come home for Christmas, may you be filled with God's Spirit. May whatever you are going through, whatever difficulty, whatever trouble, whatever laments you need to give to God, give them with full throat, knowing that God is at home with you. And God is coming again to set all things right. Amen.